Hello there! I probably blew out my microphone then. It's Thursday, which means it's time, once again, for the best movie podcast ever. The only movie podcast which offers objective, hyperbole-free discussion of every movie in the known universe. I am your host, the podcaster with no name, Conrad, and with me as always, he can't handle the truth. It's Anthony James. Good afternoon, good evening, good night. I can't remember if we've done that one before, to be honest. Well, you know, that's that's a classic. That, that, that could be the one all the time, but, you know... It's great. It's great. I, I I like it. I will say that you're blowing out your microphone. It's a lovely callback, Conrad, to last week's episode where that was my favorite pastime, it seems. Yeah, all the, where all the audio got ballsed up. Yeah, so, so for those of you who didn't join us last week, for new listeners, you missed a treat last week um, where we did a movie <laughs> diary and Anthony's audio was all screwed up and he had to work very hard to fix it. Yeah, and but I, so we're here now. Yeah, if you see me looking down this way... It's very much because I'm looking to see if my audio is blowing out because now I'm yeah. paranoid about it. I'm a little gun shy about it as well, to be honest, which is why I introduced my coming in hot uh, introduction <laughs> to apologise immediately for potentially blowing out the audio. Welcome to move the. the oh, for God's sake, I can't even talk this week because I'm so I'm so like nervous about the potential for ruining the audio. Welcome to. A movie diary. It's doing. the thing we do where we talk about all the movies we've seen since the last time we did one of these. We did a movie diary last week. It's a movie diary this week. Um, before we get into it, please subscribe to us on YouTube if you haven't already. We are The Culture Cave there and on podcasting apps if that is your preferred means of listening. We are the best movie podcast ever. Give us a like. Uh, share the show with your friends. That really does help with getting the engagement numbers up. And just enjoy yourself. Just settle in. Yep. But uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's settle in. We'll settle in so much that I'll forget to say. Oh, oh no, hang on, hang on. You didn't give him a lead in. You didn't give him. A no, I didn't. In. I, I kind of I kind of threw to you without really giving you anything to buy. Then I was I was sort of like, and also I did the classic thing when when you're doing a podcast um, in a video format where you're not both in the same room. I, I I shifted my eyes from the webcam in front of me here down to your pitch uh, down to your um your video feed down here, As if expecting I you to somehow <laughs> understand that that meant I was looking at you to say something. We're a professional show here on yeah. the best movie podcast. Just nodding. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> but without further ado, I. I say it's time to talk about some movies what do you say let's do it movies we've all heard about them and we're here to discuss them i've seen quite a few this week i've seen some bangers last week uh, last week yeah i guess it was over it the was last, last week. week yeah the week before was a shocker as as right, regular yeah. listeners will know and but i'm coming in hot this week i'm enthusiastic i've seen some classics I've seen some movies that I absolutely love. Anthony's <laughs> camera just moved in my in my in my peripheral. You know what's vision. hilarious about that? If you didn't mention it, I wasn't. I was going to fix it in post. But now I, I won't. <laughs> now, now I won't. I won't oh, fix it in post. Oh God! If Normally you're a, we're if you're better a video than this. listener. Right. You'll know what we're laughing at because I will not fix it. <laughs> if you and if you're new to the show, we are okay at this. I promise. Like normally we're better than this, but for some reason we're just in a giggly, silly mood today. Um, but I reckon let, I'm going to get things started this week. I'm going to seize the seize the reins, seize the day, um, and talk about a movie that um, I, th- I think it's really your fault that I watch these movies um, because we talked about. Uh, a very good movie last week in uh, the form of Forrest Gump uh-huh. and put me in a Tom Hanks kind of mood. Okay. So it's going to be a sort of pseudo Tom Hanks appreciation episode, this one. The, and the, fir- <laughs> the first uh, movie of his that I'd like to discuss this week is an absolute classic and it's 1998's Saving Private Ryan. Oh, um, lovely. Ha- have you ever seen this movie? Oh, yes, yes, of course. 
Okay. So, I... It's probably the last Spielberg movie. I'm trying to think now. I think it's probably the last Spielberg movie that I really loved. I don't know if I loved any of his movies after this. Maybe mm. Ready Player One. Ready Player One was better than a lot of people said it was, but I mean, it's still, yeah. yeah it's, I, I it's think not like Saving Private Ryan good. Yeah, I know what you mean. No, yeah, I mean, like that. You know, there was like Minor- Minority Report with Spielberg, I believe, and um, AI and Warhorse were okay. I never but... saw the film of Warhorse. I did see the play, which was fantastic, though. Yeah, um, but so for those of you who don't know, basically Saving Private Ryan, it, it tells the story of a group of U.S. Army Rangers who are tasked with uh, bringing home uh, a young private uh, from Normandy after it is revealed that his three other brothers have been killed in action, and essentially they need to cross war-torn France, uh, giving us a glimpse of the horrors of uh, of the conflict being waged there to find him deep behind enemy lines, and uh, the uh, the eponymous Private Ryan is played by Matt Damon in probably. I think he good, he'd been in Goodwill Hunting at this point. I actually can't remember if this was before or after Goodwill Hunting. I think it was after Goodwill Hunting. It would have been um, after, yeah. Yeah, but so but he this this is the beginning of a rich tradition in Matt Damon's career for just show, I mean we knew he was in this to be fair, uh, unlike in later movies. But Matt Damon has a habit of just showing up two thirds of the way through movies. <laughs> He's yeah, now yeah, like, hello friends. I, I think I can we say the other one you're thinking of? Like I'm sure we can. Yeah, sure. It's been yeah. long enough, and everyone yeah, knows it's Interstellar. Him. In fact, actually, we yeah. talked about it, you didn't like that part, so we've already talked about that before. But yeah, he, he yeah. did that. He does that a couple of times. Also, yeah, he, Matt, he also shows up in the film Euro Trip at the very beginning. As he a, does. That's true. Yeah, as a singer, he loves uh, a cameo. Loves a cameo. Does Matt? I mean, he gets paid you know probably a hefty salary for half a day's work so you know he must <laughs> yeah. uh he, you know i understand i understand the appeal certainly um i i love this movie i, I I'm, a, I'm a sucker for a good world war Two movie um uh, to quote um small soldiers um yeah, the, 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 there is the kind of dickhead neighbor character in that movie says uh, while watching i think it might be the longest day they're watching but he says while watching a world war Two movie um that he thinks world war Two is his favorite war which is a great line in that <laughs> mo- <laughs> in that movie um and um it's the guy who played lionel hutz in the simpsons who's no longer with i know us. isn't this isn't there a really crazy sad story about him and his partner yeah, yeah, I, th- I think his wife murdered him because, like, because she had, she, I think she might have had schizophrenia or something yeah, like that. And, and so, yeah, and mutilated his body in a way that I don't really want to talk about. But yeah, yeah, um, but uh, but yeah, he was great in that movie, and um, I I stand by that joke as like every time I think about war movies, I'm like, eh, probably yeah, World War Two. That was a good one as, mm-hmm. as far as, yeah, far as pretty... depictions <laughs> depictions of movies go. There was a clear good guy. That's what we can say about World War Two, right? Yeah, I I agree. Maybe maybe uh, maybe the uh, fight against the robots in the Terminator was probably the second one. I would say set my yeah, second. That was a big war. one. The fight against Skynet was uh, there was a clear good guy in that one. I would that say comes and somewhere war. between the Star world war, war as well. That was a yeah. that was a huge one. <laughs> somewhere between the Great War and World War Two. Somewhere between. Yeah, I'm not sure if I I'm not sure if weirdness or I certainly myself I'm not sure if I'm intellectually equipped to discuss the morality of warfare on a movie podcast but here we are we've arrived at it but this is a great movie it's i I think i I believe both spielberg and tom hanks won naval medals for the opening scene with the depiction of the d-day landings because of how kind of visceral and realistic it is yeah um and i absolutely get it i think that like in terms of movie openings the the like operation overlord opening for this is up there with some some of the best action movie openings i've ever seen um and it's 
it's just this I feel like this is kind of like a proto Band of Brothers in a lot of ways yeah. except where Band of Brothers is sort of a who's who of British actors who would appear in massive things um, over the next 10 years um, Saving Private Ryan is just this these amazing like curtain call of um, of American character actors so you've got obviously Tom Hanks as the lead yeah. you've got Tom Sizemore showing up as the as the kind of ro- rotund sergeant um, Edward Burns who I oh, I was convinced Edward Burns was going to be a, a big deal after this movie and it, it never really happened for him um, Giovanni Ribisi who mm-hmm. uh, sitcom fans will know as Phoebe's brother from Friends <laughs> obviously Matt Damon's there but then you've got like Brian Cranston shows up for a scene Dennis Farina shows up for a scene Paul Giamatti Ted Danson Nathan Fillion, Leyland Orso, it's just like, God, were all these guys just hanging around in, like, this, in, in northern France? This or, or reminds me films? very much of a film I watched this week, which we'll get back into this theme of re- actors randomly showing up uh, oh, I love when, it. I, yeah. when I get there. But I will say as well, for sitcom fans, Adam Goldberg's also, also in this, and you might remember him from Friends as well. Uh, as the oh yeah of course as the as crazy the roommate. The crazy roommate with little fish in the bowl, yeah. Yeah, well, and, and, and one of the I don't know if I'd call it the most horrific, but what ha- I don't want to give it away. Like I've kind of just given given the game away by, by saying that. What happens to his uh, spoilers for Saving Private Ryan? I guess is a twenty three year old movie. Guys, come on. Yeah. Um, what happens to his character has stayed with me f- in a way that a lot of character deaths haven't. Uh, I think it's 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 fair to say. Um, I, I don't know what it. I think it's just the sort of brutal simplicity of it. But for some reason, that has re, has really stayed with me, um, and 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 remains up there for kind of most harrowing depictions of a death on screen. I think I've seen. Well, I remember watching this film and thinking that it was so awesome the way it was. It was very realistic and harrowing in the way you say it made you see the the realism of the war and also the fact that all of these this big mission. It kind of reminds me of nineteen seventeen as well, like the idea of this mm. mission across across uh, the battlefield to get to Matt Damon's character uh, Private Ryan just to save him because like the idea is that he has three three brothers have already died and there was a thing where you can't let all of the siblings die um, yeah. you know can't send all the coffins home to mum basically can't send another folded American flag back Exa- to, uh, exactly. to Mama Ryan so but um, but I, I really enjoy that. I haven't actually watched this again since I've went to Normandy I went to Omaha Beach and I saw all the graves mm. and I haven't actually I haven't actually watched it again since then I, I probably should actually because I, I'm sure it'll have even more emotional weight to me now that I've actually been and seen the graves yeah no ab- absolutely I'm sure it will I'm, I'm envious that you've been there to be honest um, but it's yeah it's, it's just a great movie it's 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 kind of it has that um, almost almost melodramatic kind of emotional quality to it because it's because th- it doesn't really get into the complexities of these characters. Like what they're doing is so fundamentally good that it's kind of just like these are the good guys. What they're trying to do is a good thing, and you're so with them from the beginning. Um, and, and and it's it could be cheesy, but like Spielberg pulls it off. I just called him Spielberg, then, Spielberg. for some reason. We'll, no, we'll, go, with it. we'll go with it. Germaned up his name for some reason. Um, and like aside from from you know the obvious plaudits that that uh, that, that he tends to receive for his movies, um, this was I think the first time he worked with cinematographer uh, Janusz Kaminski, who did stuff like I think I think he basically did every movie with Spielberg after this point, um, and it's really stunning. They're, it's it's um, it's a great movie to look at. It's quite it's quite grey and bleak in a lot of places, which I think kind of reflects the tone of the movie. But yeah, this is this is easily one of my favourite war movies, and uh, yeah, I, I was happy to come back to it for the first time in uh, probably about fifteen years since I'd seen this as well. To be honest, awesome. Uh, all right, so 
Uh, we didn't mention actually, Conrad, but I've got only two and a half films uh, to go through. Um, yeah, Anthony's been Anthony's been lax. Well, no, that's not fair. You've got more more important real world commitments than I do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, I, but I've, I've also been watching. I've also been watching like TV shows and stuff, which I need to do. Yeah, that's true. I've watched literally nothing in terms of TV. Oh, that's not true. I watched one of those that samurai show on Netflix, and it was awful. I watched the first episode of it, and I was just like, "That's going in the bin. No more of that." Is that a foreign language show? Watch. No, it's like I can't remember. What it's called. It's like Samurai, the rise of something it's basically a, a docudrama about right. you know the sengoku jedi and oh, which is very much very much my wheelhouse but when you start mixing like documentary documentarians and historians with badly kind of with like low rent live action footage it's always a dangerous game you're playing there and yeah, unfortunately I'm, I'm, as i mentioned before on this podcast actually i'm not that big of a fan of reenactment documentaries yeah. uh, where they reenact while they're talking but sometimes it's done well but anyway anyway that's off the point but basically i'm gonna go into a film now which i haven't seen and i don't know why i haven't seen it till now in yeah, fact it's okay. from a director that i've it's from a director that i know that i'll love everything they've done well for the most part you can never say that truly but but i've only seen maybe half of their stuff and this is the one that was basically is probably going to be their uh, their high point in their career uh, from, okay. from from all intents for all intents and purposes, and that is Grand Budapest Hotel by Wes Anderson. Um, oh, I'd actually never seen this film. Uh, my wife, uh, my wife, uh, said she saw it years ago. <laughs> that joke will never die. I think. <laughs> <laughs> Just as an aside, like the fact that that's still funny. Sorry, carry on. Yeah. Where's Anderson? Let's talk about well, it. When, when that joke was first around, I didn't have a wife to say it about. Now I do. That's true, yeah. But basically, um, she watched it back when we were in university when it first came out. She absolutely loved it. Um, yeah. I don't know why I didn't watch it, but it's it's really good um so have you seen have you seen other wes anderson movies or not, not yes really? I've, well i've seen about half of them about half of them okay. i haven't seen them all yeah um i've seen about half of them and obviously obviously it has his own style he's very sty- he's, he's got a very it's a, in my opinion it's like a really hard to pin down style it's kind of like everything's kind of like in a dollhouse and it's, it's yeah it's, it's very much like well because he uses those like set point of focus shots where mm-hmm. like people are often like running away from the camera to reveal yes. like a sense of scale and and, it, and he does a lot of like front facing well it's not really him it's um his cinematographer i think from pretty much everything he's done from his team like, but, yeah yeah uh, but it's uh, this guy called robert yeoman and and the way he shoots things it very much has that kind of like doll's house quality yeah. quality to it and it's it's I think it's not surprising that he made the move into doing a lot of animated movies yeah, yeah. recently because I feel like he, the way he wants to present his shots definitely leans that way. Yeah, no, and like I, I'm a big, big fan of it, and I, I, I like I like something that's different than than the, than the rest of the stuff out there. Um, but I like that in terms of like the way the composition of the shot is as well. Um, I think there's three different uh, aspect ratios in this in this in this uh, in this film alone. Yeah. I, I think it's it's. I love the composition. There's a particular composition where um, uh, Edward Snowden, who's playing like a policeman of, of or, or like a it seems to be a policeman or a soldier of some sort. And oh, Edward uh, Norton. Edward Norton. Who? That's Edward Snowden. <laughs> Edward Snowden. I was like, is he in this movie? Yeah, no, no, not 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 JGL <laughs> doing a horrible accent. <laughs> I never actually saw that, to be honest. But. Uh, it was it was all right. It, was, it wasn't it wasn't the worst in the world. Like you know, I think I think uh, I think it's time for what's what's his name, Roger Stone. No, not Roger Stone. I'm all over the place now. Is it Roger Stone who who made JFK? Uh, Oliver Stone. Roger Stone is the guy from Tro- the 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 weird white haired guy 
get me Roger Stone that documentary. Anyway, okay. <laughs> I'm all yeah. over the place, guys. <laughs> but no, we're bringing it back. It's all Can relevant. Everyone, all relevant. please have a different first name and last name. That would really help me out. Anyway, yeah. Edward Norton. There's a particular scene where it shows uh, Sir Sharon's character or someone running away. And then, and then Edward Norton just literally, the whole screen is there. And he appears yeah. in like the bottom 16th of the screen, just in the corner, yeah. like, what's going on over there? And I just <laughs> love that composition of him just popping up in the bottom of the screen, you know? Yeah, like, I think it, they really understand like the natural comedy of someone running away and but but seeing the whole thing uncut in a really wide angle. Like, So there's the bit where uh, Ray Fiennes, is, they want to bring him in for questioning and it starts with him and Edward Norton's character talking uh, like uh, like in uh, like the, the front of the shot but they've got the whole kind of... Um, like double staircase of the hotel behind him and Ray Fiennes is like and you think I did it and then he just runs really kind of like ungracefully (laughs) off into the background and Edward Norton and all his cops like hey him. <laughs> they just kind of like run after him but the shot just holds for like 10 seconds yeah, yeah. it's so funny I, I i personally this film wasn't what i expected but i really loved what it was um, i was <laughs> expecting it to be more based in the hotel than it actually was oh, okay um yeah. it's interesting that, that, that the grand Budapest hotel is kind of an idea so basically if anyone hasn't seen it it's, it's the story of this hotel that had its you know it was really thriving in its heyday and uh and we're sort of in the 60s is kind of the present day uh, well, actually, no. Actually, there's a woman. No, the, at the 60s very is 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 the one middle. of like the, yeah. yeah. So I think it's the 80s is the present day, and the 60s is the um, one of the characters from the 30s. I guess it would be who who grows up and yes. then tells the story yeah. to a young. So girl. it's actually yeah. like a it's actually like three or four different stories within the same thing, and like yeah. it's it's kind of like Inception. It's like they keep going a level deeper in the story. Like yeah. one person keeps telling the story, but basically, it's it's a story of a will back in the 30s it's a story of a will of of an old woman who's very rich and it's like and uh ray fine's character has has mr gustav monsieur gustav has like sort of got to know her very well we'll say yeah uh which has led him he's a, to he's being, a romancer of the elderly let's yeah. not beat around the bush like he's, yeah. he's, 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 he's a fan him, of the elderly it's led to him being put in her will which is very much against what her family's wishes are uh, and yeah. the, her family is absolutely hilarious. Adrian Brody, Willem Dafoe, just oh. doing their best bad guy impressions. Yeah, oh, Adrian Brody is such a good bad guy in this. Like he, he's he's properly menacing in a ridiculous way that I love. Yeah, and this is what I was going to say. Is it sort of ties into that Saving Private Ryan? So many big names pop up in this. Like Harvey Keitel oh. plays a role. Uh, Jude Law, Bill Murray, Edward. Oh, Norton. Bill Murray! You get you can you can set your watch to Bill Murray showing up in a Wes oh, Anderson yeah, movie. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's like his ninth yeah, one he's been in. Tilda Swinton's in this as well. Like, like uh, Tilda, Wes Anderson, oh, yeah, yeah. I think. I'm not going to tell you who... Ha- don't say who Tilda Swinton is in it, but she's no. in it. Uh, but yeah. it's very it, interesting to see to see her in it. Also, Jeff Goldblum as well. Yeah, so, I, I can't help bit. but laugh at him these days. Like, I, the I, I think speaks. Wes Anderson definitely has the market cornered on volume of quality cameos that tend to show up in his movies you know like most directors have have their guys mm-hmm. uh, and I, I, I use that like non-gender specifically they're they're their group of people that, that, that they turn to so you know the, the, the classic example is um is johnny depp and helena bottom carter showing up in um tim burton stuff. in tim burton stuff yeah and um but but he tend that that's quite a small group that, that Tim Burton typically picks from. Wes Anderson, it feels like, has spent the last twenty years or uh, more than that now, twenty five years, cultivating 
this stable of amazing character yeah. act- or not even character actors like leading actors who yeah just want to be in his films and and, and they've they're, and more more to the point they're happy to be character actors in his movies as well which means mm-hmm. you get to see people um like i don't know jude law in this movie or like do like turn in performances that are really different than what you would normally see them turn in which makes it really interesting so yeah. I, I love that about Wes Anderson movies yeah, and this I, one in particular no I, I, I really love that like I love whenever you, you I was so in, invested in the storyline and the world and like just the nature of it as well and like even like the, the cinema the cinema, cinematography style and the, the production design but then when you also get every five minutes like oh my god oh my god yeah, oh my god it's, it's Bill Murray it's just so cool but yeah. um, but I will say as well Jude Law is is he this typecast as like an author who is a narrator as well? Is that is that just his role now in, yeah, in Hollywood? Yeah, that's that's what he slipped into now. Like he was a leading man for you know the bit of the early two thousands. Now that's just that's just what Jude Law does. Is he's yeah, a writer? Like Lemony Snicket, he's in this. He was also Watson, obviously, as we know. And, he, yeah. and then he's also he was also a writer in that film Closer as well with Natalie Portman and Julia Roberts. Yep. So he he's was. literally like an author who sometimes also narrates the story it's really strange what's happening he's just got a lovely voice a lovely velvety voice yeah it must be I'm, sh- I'm sure he, he as Dumbledore he did the same thing but anyway that's uh, Grand Budapest Hotel I'm very happy that I that I that I finally gave it a watch oh oh yeah Owen Wilson also pops up at the- oh, of course <laughs> he does of course he does like talking about characters you can set your watch to popping up yeah. in uh, Wes Anderson movies Owen Wilson is is there and like ready ready to perform at the drop of a hat despite I, I don't think he really does much acting anymore Owen Wilson but I think he's, he still turns up for still turns up for Wes Anderson yeah well, he, was um, that, he was in that Google movie a few years ago with Vince Vaughn but, uh, uh, he was that's that ill that ill-judged Google movie starring Vince Vaughn and Owen Wilson yeah but I can tell you like having watched it like uh, you know everyone raves about it and I can see why it's a really good film yeah, I, I um I I can't wait for uh, the French Dispatch is where Wes Anderson's kind of delayed next movie, and I've been really looking forward to that for I feel like five years now, and um and hopefully I actually it'll haven't seen Isle of point. Dogs yet either. I've got it on Blu-ray. I bought it uh, not okay. long ago actually, but I need to watch it. Um, yeah, I, I, like Isle of Dogs is good. I think Fantastic Mr. Fox is his best. His only other animation to date, yeah. but I, I Fantastic Mr. Fox is so goddamn yeah, good. Yeah, no, I, I love that film. Yeah awesome okay well that's that's lovely that's lovely like and and i think i'm going to i'm not going to say take us down a notch here because i don't want to set this table too low but we're keep we're keeping in i'm staying in the tom hanks wheelhouse for another for another installment here okay um but it's not as good as saving private ryan or the grand budapest hotel i'm gonna say um this is 2021's news of the world oh um, yeah this actually i tend to watch this actually yeah, so it's it's not a bad movie. I'll say that to begin with. I don't want to give give a, a an unfair impression of it. What it is is a straight as an arrow genre film, yeah. and and you kind of know what you're going to get when when I tell you what the plot is. You'll you'll immediately conjure an idea in your mind of who these characters are and what the major story beats are, and that is exactly what this movie is. Okay. So it's essentially about a gruff, sort of taciturn older man. Um, who's quite kind of emotionally guarded, who goes from town to town reading the news for money. And he comes across, on one of these journeys, he comes across a, a wreckage of a caravan um, in which he finds a young, uh, seemingly German girl, but who, who speaks a Native Ameri- American language. Um, and through 
a sequence of events, he basically becomes responsible for bringing her to some distant relatives um, across the country. So she needs to travel with him. He's not that happy about it. She doesn't speak the language, but she's got a heart of gold, God bless her. <laughs> and, and, and wouldn't you know it, she softens him, and in the end, you know, they, they, they grow closer, and, and a big lesson is learned. Um, that's it's not doing anything new in terms of the ideas in the movie. As I say, if you see, once you've seen a movie like this, you kind of know where this one's going to go. But I will say for it, th- these kind of movies where they really, really kind of um, conform to genre traditions, kind of live and die on their lead performances. Mm-hmm. And Tom Hanks is always a great leading man. He's yeah. he's very strong in this. And the young girl played by uh, Helena Zengel is also very, very good. Um, and that's what that's what makes this a good movie. I think uh, you're you're going to get the 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 standard story beats that you would expect but it's those two performances that really elevate it i think okay so um i haven't seen it but i i imagine i could already give it a one-line review the grit go on give it a go the grit could have been truer yeah i mean yeah it's it's not um it's gritty in places I, I will say it's interesting actually after talking about how Forrest Gump last week is kind of like this road trip through Americana in the 50s through to the through to the 80s this kind of has a similar feeling about it I don't think Paul Greengrass he, he I'm a bit mixed on him as a director generally speaking but I think um, he doesn't he doesn't pull it off as convincingly as Zemeckis does but you do get to see this kind of post-Civil War American landscape that they're depicting mm-hmm. and, and see interesting parts of it so this kind of the, the the movie starts, I believe, in Texas, which is where um, Hanks's character is from, and um, you get to see like the sort of low level resistance to the northern occupation, um, and then like the sort of horrifically industrial level of buffalo farming. Um, it's the, the the metaphors and the ideas it's exploring, and the the, the kind of analogs with with the sort of titans of capitalism that, that that run all this stuff are pretty clumsy, but they're good. That you know they're interesting mm-hmm. to actually see. So it's it's it. As I say, it's not doing anything particularly new or particularly exciting. But if you like these kind of movies and you want something that hits those those like classic genre notes with some strong leading performances, News of the World is not bad. I will say. It sounds like it sounds like the film for me to be honest with you. Then, like, yeah. even the fact that you said you said buffalo, you said buffalo farming, it put me back straight away into Kevin Costner's Wired Up. You know, that's the style of that film. He's yeah. he's out hunting buffalo and getting the getting the pelts. It it just put. I want to be. I love being in that world. I don't know. Even like Red Dead Redemption is my favorite video yeah, game of all time. No, I, I I think it does a de- I think it does a decent job of realizing that world. I think if you if you like the old west, um, and you want to feel you know the kind of dustiness and the grittiness of it. This does a decent job of doing that. It's not overly unpleasant. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't. It doesn't really want to dive into um, the grit, as you say. But it's 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 realistic enough, and it spends enough time there that I found I found that that, that like that aspect of the film quite compelling. And yeah, Hanks and Zengel are are uh, really really strong as well. Yeah, because we talked last week about the the. the... The, the chemistry between the child actor and the main and the main yeah. star being the being the the, the linchpin in a, in a successful film and actually it's kind of like in a different genre version of my spy from last week it kind of is yeah. you know you need it's basically like you know the the coming together of these two yeah you you've got to get that chemistry because these two are literally carrying your movie so uh, if if it's not there the film falls apart but fortunately you know, Hanks always brings it, and uh, and uh, Helena Zengel is a, a promising actor to look out for in the future. I, d- I d- didn't actually look at how old she is, but she seems quite young. She seems like she's maybe twelve or thirteen in this movie, mm-hmm. so definitely one to keep an eye out for. Okay, awesome. Uh, well, considering I've only got two and a half and you've got four, do you want to go and again? 
Okay. Yeah, cool. Um, I will... I'm going to stay in 2021 for this um, for th- th- this next one, then. Um, and it's... I'm going to take it down a notch again. I don't, I shouldn't... I don't want to, like... <laughs> I shouldn't lead with my one-sentence review, but I'm going to do it with this, because um, I was really looking forward to this movie, and... I was very disappointed to it, and I'll get into what I'm very disappointed with it, and I'll get into why. Uh, this is also from 2021, and it's I Care A Lot by Jay Blakeson. Um, it's essentially kind of... I guess you'd call it a black comedy, even though I didn't find it funny at all, but it's essentially like a pitch-black comedy, inverted commas, yeah. um, starring Rosamund Pike, um, and, uh, and she basically plays this lady called uh, Marla Grayson, who has constructed this scheme, uh, this scheme or scam, really, you'd call it, where they identify like vulnerable elderly people with money, good insurance, and low contact with family, and they essentially manipulate the rela- their relationships with doctors, judges, and individuals in care homes to establish themselves as the legal guardians of these people by basically making it, basically doctors say, oh, this person can't look after themselves, they need a legal guardian, and they have no family to take care of them so uh, marla grayson and her company take over care of them and then siphon money off of them as they put them into a care home and and do pretty monstrous things like make sure they can't leave the care home by taking their phones away you know increasing their drug intake and stuff like that so when i say that i need someone to root for in a movie and this is your protagonist my like you might see where my initial problems with this movie are coming from and yeah. i will admit you know from, from the offset it is a it is a question of taste for the most part rather than competency um but basically the movie develops where she she eventually um she does this to the wrong woman um she seems innocuous at first brilliantly played by diane west who i was like ah oh, that's diane west she was the mum in edward scissorhands nice to see her again <laughs> um but uh, it turns out that this woman this this seemingly innocuous old lady is actually the mother of a, a supposedly dead russian mobster played by peter dinklage and um thus ensues a game of cat and mouse with what is essentially two awful people doing awful things to each other for two hours um and i didn't get much of a sense of schadenfreude from it or any comedy from it so i was kind of just left being like i don't really like any of these people i kind of want them all to just go to prison Uh, (laughs) and and did they did like that's without going into heavy spoilers i think we all know how films work did they eventually warm to each other uh, there is, yeah, there is a kind of mutual respect that turns up, uh, like at some point during the movie, and but it's, it's not as it's I, not as well deserved as in Step Brothers, for example. Like Step Brothers, kind of like the thing with with something like Step Brothers, uh, there is something likable about those characters, and again, I, I think it's an issue of taste for me. I, I know some people have been really, really up, like high on this movie and i think the reason is that the people who have really enjoyed it have not needed someone to be on side with in yeah. the movie they're happy to see something which is this kind of like pitch black dissection of a system that they view as bad but i think beyond the taste problems i have with this which is that you know i, I don't like watching awful people do awful things on screen without it being particularly funny or or or, or getting any sense of kind of schadenfreude from the things that happen to them and that second it's, half is very important because otherwise you wouldn't be a fan of it's always sunny in philadelphia well, exactly. well yeah, it's always sunny in philadelphia is very funny and 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 you always get the sense that the movie is like look at these dickheads having awful things happen or the the, the series is like look at these dickheads having awful things happen to them yeah. i never got that sense from this i just got the sense that the movie's like it's bad right yeah. and that's all it had to say which to me I-, I found kind of 
kind of abhorrent that it's like this is the system it's bad but we're going to depict it anyway and not really have anything interesting to say about it and and i also think the 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 characters like beyond the 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 sort of uh tonal problems i had with it i think i have an issue with the way the characters are written i found them i I don't want to get into like mary sue territory here because we've already gone off off on this before Yeah, yeah but i found them a little bit implausible so the russian mobsters are incredibly bad at killing people to the point where it's like okay this feels like these guys are just failing to kill people because the movie needs them to stay alive so you can do this cat and mouse thing and likewise you know marla grace and rosamund pike's character who is very well performed i will say that for her but she is you know essentially a carer she's a legal carer she's a very smart and driven woman but she starts doing like mission impossible spy shit about halfway through the movie and it's like where is this coming from but it doesn't have the tone of a film like that is what you mean no exactly it it just kind of comes out of nowhere and i'm like this feels like you're just wanting her to do this because you need that again you need there to be some conflict rather than oh she messed with the wrong person and now she's dead because of it um so that really didn't work for me um and it's, it's disappointing. I, I was really looking forward to this movie, um, but unfortunately, it just did. I, I think that the, the tone it struck rubbed me the wrong way immediately, mm-hmm. and then some of the problems I had with the script really, really, um, really brought me down even further on it. Okay, that's interesting. Um, this is a this is a film that I had earmarked as well to check out. Based on that, I don't know if I will. To be honest with you, there's there's probably better ways to spend my time. Um, I am a fan of Rosamund Pike. I thought she was fantastic in Gone Girl. Um, I yeah, I mean, she, this is kind of doing that. I think that's the interesting thing about, the, or the or the depressing thing about this. I think she, it, it feels kind of like they're trying to capture what she like her character from yeah. Gone Girl a little bit with the this kind of hyper competent but kind of sociopathic woman. Um, but in Gone Girl, you're kind of rooting against her at some yeah. point, and 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 and. In this, I was rooting against her, but then I was like, I don't want to root for this guy because he's a murderer. So what's that? What am I doing? <laughs> like, yeah, can I, I, I will can also I will also say that there's like a tear inside my heart about Peter Dinklage because I do genuinely generally like him. I, I thought he was really really good in Three Billboards uh, outside Ebbing, Missouri. I thought he was really good in that. Obviously, he was huge in Game of Thrones. Um, yeah, but the thing is, because he filmed Game of Thrones in Northern Ireland, there is some clips of him saying some not very nice things about Belfast is all I'll say. Uh, oh, really? He, I don't oh, think he I don't think he really enjoyed uh, being here to shoot that show and that 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 doesn't leave me because there's other, there's other like for example um Sean Bean is hailed and loved in Belfast because he's the most dead on guy ever and he and he like oh, yeah. he'll be cheered like by by the people who work in the film industry like my yeah. wife and stuff if he walks into a room with them they'll cheer him because he he's so respected and he loves everyone yeah. so much you know I mean, to be fair, you don't have enough time to get tired of Sean Bean because he's he's he's, he's finished yeah, shooting yeah. like within like a day of being there. Yeah, like he, he, he does, done, lads. <laughs> even even when he does like a like a like an interview appearance, he just he gets shot halfway through. <laughs> just just yeah. to get, get home early, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If he's in a movie for longer than an hour, he starts checking his watch. It's like, what's going on here? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, maybe maybe Sean Bean. Yeah. Well, actually, no, the thing is, he did stay around in Belfast after because he did the Frankenstein Chronicles or something like that. Um, yeah, that sounds right. So that was filmed in Belfast as well, and it's just uh, absolutely. Yeah, I, I can imagine. I can imagine Peter Dinklage kind of not. Getting no, I don't on even well. know if that's actually. I don't even know if that's public. I just know. We, I just know needed. through the grapevine of people who've met him in Belfast and people who I know uh, who who worked with him and stuff uh, that um, apparently he just really didn't like Belfast. <laughs> <laughs> well, they, yeah, like, he's made an enemy for life. Yeah. Although I think is I actually still I still actually enjoy his performances. Cancel yeah. Peter Dinklage. You heard it here first, folks. That's yeah. what Anthony's, Anthony's asking for. 
It's very interesting. Like the first one you did, Seven Private Ryan, led in well to the Grand Budapest Hotel in terms of the cameos. This one also leads very well into my next film. Uh, okay. Based on I'm you excited. saying that, that there was not really any likable characters, no characters you were on the side of. Now this yeah. isn't. That's not exactly a true analogy to this film, but it is true for the main character, and that is 2016's okay. Passengers, um, starring Chris Pratt and Jennifer Lawrence. And I just felt this film was like. So basically, the setup is that this this they're they're on a spaceship that's heading to a new land, a new planet uh, to yeah. inhabit, and it takes 120 years to get there, except. 30 years into the flight, Chris Pratt's character is awakened because an asteroid has hit the uh, the space station. So he's there all, all alone. And then for the first half or the first third of the film, he's he's questioning whether or not he should open the uh, and, and wake up Jennifer Lawrence's character because he sees her yeah. and becomes infatuated with her. Um, and, he, and it's sort of... To be honest with you, the film is trying to, 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 to skirt the line of yes this is clearly abhorrent but look how great he is in other ways and yeah and i and i think that obviously every single person watching it when he if you went in completely blind you would think to yourself don't open don't wake her up like what are you doing (laughs) uh but then he does wake her up um and i think that they're trying to have like a philosophical question in a film right they're trying to have the question would you do it so if you are facing the rest of your life alone on a spaceship and you would you would you wake someone up and basically commit them to death basically on this spaceship just yeah. to have some company. And the way that Chris Pratt puts it in the film is if I was deserted on an island and I had one wish and I wished for someone to be on the island with me for company but that's actually dooming them to the island is that right or wrong? Um, and that's what they're sort of trying to do. Having said that and spoiler 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 because I can't talk about this without going into spoilers Having said that, they also then try to do a second trolley problem later on in the in the film, which completely just throws the logic of what they're trying to set up. Completely, like if they wanted to have it as a as like a as a question, this philosophical question: should he have done it? Should he have not done it? That's mm. fine. Don't make a decision at the end by having the woman fall back in love with him. Yeah, uh, and, and then. And then also give her her own decision as well in a really throwaway way. So, for example, right, she uh, wanted to, uh, she was going to, basically, Chris Pratt was in, in a doorway where they needed to uh, vent the, the reactor in order to get the ship working so it wouldn't blow up. Now, okay. he had to hold the door open, otherwise the ship would blow up because they couldn't, the door wouldn't stay open on its own. It she like said, a terrible design for a spaceship. Terrible design. So, well, actually, it was malfunctioning, but still. <laughs> she said... Right. So what you she said, no, you die, I die. I'm not letting that happen. And then and then so she said that and then Chris Pratt's like there's 5000 other people on this ship. You need to click the button, right? And then she had her own little trolley problem there. She had her own problem like like his problem on the on the deserted island. She had her own. Or oh, do I mm. do I save the one or do I save the 5000? And the yeah. way that the way that it was put across in the film, where she was starting to come around to him again, and she was saying, "I can't live without you now," and she fully bought into his shit. But he basically killed her, and and he's he's she's like fully buying into the abuse now. And then they give her the option, uh, they they give her the option, and they make her a character who would kill five thousand just to try and save him, or she would rather kill them both themselves. Yeah. And then they're sort of like, yeah, but you know, he just woke up one woman. She was willing to kill five thousand. Yeah, you know, that, that feels like a, a very poor taste plot point to me from the way you've just described that. 
yeah yeah it's very strange and I, i'm sure have you seen this film no, so I, I basically you know heard. Controversy, I think. Yeah. I heard that. Yeah, I heard the premise that Chris pa- Chris Pratt wakes up uh, Jennifer Lawrence, and it's like a rom com in space. But you know, like uh, there's no the... com in it really. There's not really much. No, com. well, yeah, like it's a romantic a romance in space, yeah. but they have to deal with the, you know the fallout of him basically, as you say, choosing to essentially commit her to dying on this spaceship rather than you know living the life she intended for herself. And that premise was enough for me to be like. Mm, it's going to take some really good writing to pull this one off, and I don't know if this movie looks like it has the chops to uh, to do that. No, uh, it doesn't. And and not only that, they 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 invert it back and try and give her her own dis- decision to make too. But it's in yeah. such a flippant thirty second type way where it's like we got to throw this in the end. Um, it was really strange, and also another plot point which I'm still in spoiler zone here. So you know, I'm sure it's I'm sure if you haven't seen it already, you're not really caring about watching it to be honest with you, but. If you like a space, if you just like being in space, fine, watch it. But but it is it is quite strange. But basically, um, they they throw extra coal on the fire in terms of how much he fucked up her life because she mm. didn't actually want to go to the 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 planet to live forever. That's great. Her, her plan wasn't even supposed to be here today. Her, her plan was to go to the planet, live there for a year, and then go back to Earth. So then then she would be two hundred and fifty years in the future in Earth. And she was because oh, okay. she's a writer, so she wanted to go and experience that, but then go back to Earth to write all her stuff down. So he basically went, "Nah, fuck your plans. Uh, we're going to have you here." And it's literally and fine. Okay, you could say that he went away and he read all of her books before he woke her up, and he watched all her interviews, and he became in fact. The fact of the matter is, all those other pods were there. He looked in and he thought, "There's a good-looking woman. I'm going to wake her up because I want to have something that I can have sex with." Like that's yeah. that's what he did. But it's, I mean, also like the genre seems weird. Like if you if you outline the plot to me of like, oh, okay, this guy wakes up early, becomes infatuated with another passenger, reads all of you know reads all of her her literature, becomes infatuated with her, wakes her up. To me, that's a thriller. You know where where you know he lies to her when she wakes up and says, oh, you've been woken up by accident too. And the movie is the obvious narrative there is about her figuring out that he's lied to her and 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 you know trying to get away from him so yeah. i don't know it just feels really misguided i haven't seen it obviously so i can't speak too it's, too it's not critically it's, of it but. it's not put across the way you're describing there where she would like slowly figure it out like even oh, this is crazy right early in the film you know how like you see them setting up what's to come right yeah early in the film like he he wakes her up basically third into the film and it's got and he's got like the manual of how to do it it's like like this the hibernation chamber manual yeah, and, he, sure. and, and then he, he like he wakes her up she starts waking up and he grabs all his shit and runs away right just to pretend that he didn't do it right so then he puts he puts the manual in his in his in his drawer covers it up with a coat or whatever's nice. in the drawer right and you're thinking that. all right she's gonna find that eventually you know that's <laughs> and that's gonna start the seed in her mind yeah. uh, no that, that doesn't come back into it um it doesn't come back into it she finds out because the robot um, uh michael sheen the, the robot barman uh, tells her. That's, oh wow! Just, that feels like a breach of has, one of Asimov's laws. Well, no, no, no. Actually, it's not because. Um, anyway, it's not. The, I'm not going to go. Into I don't even. Every I can't de- even remember Asimov's laws to be yeah, honest. Yeah, but That's I'm not going to go into flippant. every detail of the film. But basically, the, the robot thought it was doing the right thing and thought I had permission to do so. But anyway, um, basically, it's. But it, she had no inkling of it. Like she wasn't like figuring it out and like coming to this and then realizing, oh my god, I'm in this relationship with this man and he's done this to me. 
Yeah. Having said that, there is a moment later on where another character gets woken up. I'm not even going to tell you who the who the actor is because if you if you watch it, you'll be surprised and you'll be you'll like who the actor is. But is it Matt Damon? It's not Matt Damon. It's not Matt okay. Damon. That's so, a shame. I wish it was at this point. But basically, um, <laughs> that character then goes and checks the pods and finds out that Chris Pratt did what he did. Yeah, I mean, um, I feel like on a spaceship it'd be pretty easy to like check. I, I feel like spaceships probably have cameras or like logs of exactly oh, that yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah, no, exactly. Like, oh, yeah. But, but this guy even like this guy even could see from the me- mechanics that like, he was like a high up guy. He could see from the mechanics of, of what he did. Um, and basically, Chris Pratt told him what he did, and he's like, right. And then whenever Jennifer Lawrence went, so did you hear what he did? And then uh, Lawrence Fishburne was like. I just told you who it was. <laughs> so Morpheus is like, right? He, nice. He's like, he's like, um, he he's, he goes, he goes, yeah, he told me, but you know, we've got to get on with this, and he sort of ignores the news. And I'm yeah. thinking, and then Jennifer Lawrence is like, hello, hello, he woke me up. He could have, he basically killed me, right? And I'm thinking, okay, all right, okay. So this whole film is like a trolley problem, and now they're just throwing in your face. It's about sexual abuse, guys. And I'm yeah. just like, okay, it has its merit to a certain extent. But it's it's not been well executed. Yeah, it it, it seemed <clears throat> like it seemed like misguided from uh, it, it, the offset. To be honest, as a concept, it's it seems misguided, um, and that that seems to pretty much confirm it for me. Yeah, like you know, that's, nah. Okay, <laughs> well, talking about um, rom. Well, this isn't really a rom com. In fact, this is in no way a rom com. Talking about movies with implausible romances in them. Um, I'm going to do my last one, and then we'll end on your on your half. I think um, okay. to, to to round us off. So, I this I, I, this is a movie that like I've never watched because I've always assumed that it was terrible, um, and I don't know why I assume that to be honest. But this is 1992's A Few Good Men. You might have spotted it coming from yeah. from the intro. Um, it's a Rob Reiner movie, which I've never seen a Rob Reiner drama before. But you know, I, I'm used to him for you know, watching. I'm used to watching stuff from him that's like Best in Show and The Mighty Wind and uh, and um, Spinal Tap and stuff like that. But um, so essentially, it's a courtroom drama, which I'm always I'm always on board for a courtroom drama. To be honest, yeah. Um, have, have you seen this movie? No, yeah, but I've always wanted to watch it because I do love a courtroom drama too. That's, so, it, you know. Yeah, it, it's pretty... Well, okay, so I mean, essentially the plot is that a young Marine um, with a bad record, a track record, kind of turns up dead in a military base at Guantanamo Bay with two members of his unit accused of deliberately murdering him um, for being a bad Marine and essentially offering uh, it to inform on like abuses taking place on the base in exchange for for, for being moved off of it. And uh, Tom Cruise is is your your hotshot military lawyer straight out of straight out of college um, who's assigned to the case along with comedic relief Kevin Pollock um, and uh, Demi Moore as the hyper professional skeptic of Cruise's abilities. So already that dynamic there you know exactly like i'm not even going to say what the what happens with that i don't need to that dynamic there 100 percent. you know what happens with that dynamic it's it's it, the writing is very much on the wall and every wall of every movie that has ever been made but um <laughs> <laughs> but and, but essentially together they will uncover a conspiracy which implicates uh, jack nicholson's colonel jessup and it becomes uh, basically this kind of internal conflict of loyalties amongst the marines is, is this like courtroom battle to to prove that the two marines actually on trial for murder were ordered to 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 do what they did um but it's 
this is a good movie i have to say it's kind of cheesy aaron sorkin is the guy who wrote it and i think with aaron sorkin screenplays you kind of know what you're going to get like you're going to get snappy dialogue but often it will feel really unnatural because it's kind of like he's it's like he's having a conversation in his own head without adelaide not really thinking about it as two characters talking to each other um and and he's kind of like broad themes um, and, and stuff can tend to be fairly preachy so um, in um, what was it called Newsroom the series he wrote I got so sick of that because I was just like okay we get it Aaron like you you, you know you envisage this perfect political world and, and everyone should get on board with your ideas although I haven't seen the uh, Trial of the Chicago 7 which he wrote um, no, that, that is really year. good actually like, I mean it's, that is again it's a bit it's, it is a bit preachy but that one is is is, is much more naturalistic um, by talking standards for dialogue um, and you know social network he wrote as well and that was mm. that was you know really um, uh, I, I thought reasonably well written um, yeah. but this is this is one of his better ones it's it's got some great dialogue in it and, and the courtroom scenes between um, the um, defense lawyer no the prosecution uh, played by Kevin Bacon and uh, and Tom Cruise playing the defense lawyer with um, with Jack Nicholson on on the on the stand is it, it's just some great stuff and that's where you know you get the you get the iconic you can't handle the truth and you get sort of courtroom scenes that are completely unrealistic in fact I, I wonder if it, a few good men might be the main cause of people like kind of assuming that courtrooms are like this, with people kind of like <laughs> roaring and pointing across <laughs> the courtroom and stuff, which just never happens in real trials ever. I but, wonder um, if the uh, YouTube channel Legal Eagle has done like a, a he does like reviews of uh, law, like you know court cases in films. I wonder if he did okay. one for this. Oh, he must have done surely. Um, but it's it, it this is a this is a good fun movie. It's a good old it's a good old courtroom drama. It's weird for me to see a Rob Reiner movie like a Rob Reiner drama, as I say, and particularly weird to see Christopher Guest, who is obviously in Spinal Tap and a bunch of Rob Reiner's kind of comedy docudrama things or docu comedies, mm. um, just playing a completely serious character. He just plays a military doctor who's a bit of a bastard. And it's like, what are you doing, Christopher Guest? Why are you? Why are you not making a joke about you know bloodhounds <laughs> or something here? But um, yeah, it's it was it was good fun. I enjoyed it. I have to say, it, even if it's kind of, it it feels a bit cheesy by modern standards. Yeah, it it feels to me like one of those films, like you know those classic films that you always hear about and people quote and stuff. Um, and to and to be honest with you, it it's one of those films where in your in my life when I finally watch it. It'll be like, okay, I remember a time before I saw that, and a time after yeah. I saw that. There's like a load of films where you're like, it's it's like a, it's like a, it's like a mystical thing that's in the past, yeah. and you've heard <laughs> yeah. a lot about it, and you can't really. And I've actually, to be honest with you, Conrad, I've thought of making videos before where I where I say I've never seen this film, like a really famous film, I've never seen it, and I just explain what I think it is. You know, <laughs> that would be great. You should do that. Do that for yeah. Casablanca, and then I'll get really angry with you. And <laughs> like... oh, I've seen Casablanca. I've got a poster. Have you seen Casablanca? I didn't think you'd seen Casablanca. Okay, a poster of Casablanca enough. right over there. But uh... oh, lovely. Well, good, good. Okay, we can scratch that one off the list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Scratch that one off the list, exactly. But, uh, yeah, okay, so my last one Go on. um, is... Now, I say half because I literally only watched half of this film because I couldn't watch oh, nice. it anymore. Well, we'll fill in the blanks. We'll figure um, out how it Now, ends. it wasn't necessarily that it was it was a bad film overall. I just couldn't... You'll understand why I say I couldn't watch it anymore because of what it looked like. Oh, so you chose not to watch the second half of this movie. It wasn't... Yes, yes. No, oh, come on, okay. I wouldn't... I, I wouldn't bring a movie to, to, to the podcast. <laughs> yeah, I, was, I was like, listen, oh. I didn't have time. I watched half of it. We'll fill in the blanks on the second half. No, 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 no. I need to make sure that I tell you I'd only watch half of this. I'm, I'm okay. Not, yeah, no, no. I'm, I, I appreciate I, the I, disclosure. Yeah, I would have only said two if I, if I didn't have time to finish it. But 
It's basically um, Andy Circus's Mowgli. Uh, so oh, okay. I didn't finish this because I couldn't get over the look of these animals. Like they. So th- this was this was the one that came out like a year after the Disney remake. Really soon after, yeah. Remake. Like so, the yeah. Disney John Favreau um, Jungle Book came out in like 2017, I think. Yeah. Maybe, maybe 2016. Anyway, but it came out, and then and then it was sort of it was very Disney, and like it was it was it was possible for you know it, it was a Disney remake live action yeah. live action remake. Um, it was serviceable. This film was more of like an origin story, I suppose. Oh, perfect. For, Just what we always wanted. Yeah, for Mowgli. Um, more of the Jungle Book before the cool animals got involved. Now, I don't really know if it actually gets to the point where Mowgli's at the start of the the, uh, the Jungle Book, because I never actually finished it. Because <laughs> if you haven't seen the animals that they've designed for this film, if you haven't seen look, what the CG up. renders of them look like, you need to have a look. Especially some of the wolves. They, the wolves are really weird looking. Oh like wow! They, yeah, I've just looked those up. Those are super weird. Yeah, it's because now there is an art to it as well that I probably will finish it eventually. But I just, I just, I couldn't get my head around it to be honest with you. And I think it's because Andy Circus is what he is. You know, that's that's his. He's a, he's a mocap performer, and I think he was really trying to create a new visual style that mm. highlighted the actors' performances within these animals. Well, they all have human faces. <laughs> Like, like that's yeah. the thing. I look at there's this there's a I, I can't obviously we can't show our listeners this but I'm looking at an image a still from this movie and it's presumably I don't recognize two of them but it's presumably uh, Blue and Bagheera next to each other because there's a there's a, a panther and a bear and then there's like a couple of dogs or, or wolves or whatever <laughs> yeah. and th- th- like literally you know big cats and bears have n- very little genetically in common but both of those definitely have human faces yeah. which uh, is right do. slipping nicely into that uncanny valley is is what I'll say for this image. You know, I will say as well, the cast is great. Like Christian Bale plays Bagheera, Kate Blanchett is Car, um, Ben de Cumberbatch, Shia Khan, just basically basically doing his dragon voice from The Hobbit. Uh, yeah, just doing his George. Like I, I, the, the problem with Shia Khan is that everyone's just going to do George Sanders like that. I feel yeah. like that guy just nailed the, the Shere Khan so perfectly on the first try that I, I'll be interested to, to, to hear what Benedict Cumberbatch's um, Smaug slash uh, Shere it's, Khan It's literally just like, Smaug. But... It's literally just the same voice as Smaug. I think. I, that's what I feel anyway. Yeah. I'm sure there is a little bit of uh, something going on. Andy Serkis himself plays Baloo. Uh, okay. Is there and any music in it? That's, he's that's sort of a cockney. No, there's no, there's no music in it. it. Baloo is like a cockney as well, just so you know. Um, okay. Perfect. Yeah. So that's that's Mowgli. I, if, if anyone else was brave enough to finish that, I probably will finish it eventually because I'd like to see where they're going with the idea of the Mowgli. Like, is he is he a superhero at the end? Like, this Mowgli origin yeah. story. You know, like it's interesting. Does he to discover see. the secret of man's great fire and <laughs> take it to to King Louis in, in that's like what we need to know. Movie. That's what we need to know. But. Uh, yeah, like to be honest with you, uh, the animal faces. After a while, I was just like, "Can I, can I have this on in front of my kids? Because this is, this is terrifying." Like, <laughs> yeah. Am I, am I damaging my kids long term by making them think that wolves look this way? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that, I, it's just not. Well, yeah. I think I, I, I've not. I've, I've heard literally nothing about this movie. It's got a good cast. I'll, I'll say that much for it. As, 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 you, as you, as you say, I think was this Andy Serkis's directorial debut? I think it was. I think I feel like it might have been, which is a shame because you know he's. I really like him. Yeah. yeah. Oh, apparently he made Breathe, which is. No, I think of Don't Breathe. So that's I don't know what Breathe is, but um, 
yeah, that's a shame, frankly, from old Andy. But maybe he'll nail it next time when he does his gritty live-action remake of Beauty and the Beast and all the wolves look like men in... He's gonna, he's gonna he's gonna play Bell and he's gonna he's gonna oh. be mocapped uh, his At face. Last. Taylor's it. oldest time. <laughs> yeah. That's the voice I'll do for that. Um, well, that's actually Miss uh, Mrs. Potts or whatever that sings that song. But anyway, yeah, we get you. That's true. Yeah, shows how long it's been <laughs> since I've seen Beauty and the Beast. I don't know. Does Bell sing something? I don't know. Can't so, believe there must I'm be more than this. Pro- no, that's just one princess. Uh, never worry. There must be more than this provincial life. That's the line I remember. For, I think that's Bell. <laughs> Join us next week where we discuss Disney movies. Um, <laughs> Eventually, we'll right, do okay. a Disney movie one. Like, to be oh yeah. Well, I think what we've got some suggestions for stuff that we'll do, like kind of more themed, but but still movie diaries. So we'll we'll see how that goes. Uh, maybe that'll turn up at some point in the future. But I think that's probably going to do it for us here this week on the best movie podcast ever, folks. Um, which leaves us with just one simple question to answer, as we always do, and that is, Anthony, what is your favourite movie? Uh, I keep uh, <laughs> keep going back and forth. Like, is it the film I didn't watch the whole way through? Is it Passengers, choice. which I thought was absolutely a, a terrible attempt at a trolley problem? It's got to be the Grand Budapest Hotel, doesn't it? Nice, good choice. Yeah, I think that's that. that sounds like the best one this week. Um, mine is definitely Saving Private Ryan. It's a great movie. Um, and yeah, that that leaves us just to say thank you for for listening or watching if you're checking us out on YouTube. And please do uh, subscribe on podcasting apps at the best movie podcast ever or on YouTube at the Culture Cave. Give us a like. Get involved in the comments. Let us know what you watched this week and what you thought of these movies that we watched. If you did indeed see them, share the show with your friends. And thank you to Jared Ascari and Nancy Wyatt for the use of our theme song you can find their stuff down in the link below but really that leaves us with just one thing to say which is that we'll see you same, same time I can't speak towards the end of this I've just like lost my train of my train of thought completely we will see you same time same place next week and cut.